Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Today, just before class, I was reading some very controversial things. And I find it so interesting that there's so many, there's so many things, let me get some more light here, there's so many things in Krishna consciousness that can absorb our mind simply because they're not so easy to understand. And so, I was reading some of those things, some of the not-so-easy-to-understand things. And um, actually, it was easy to understand, but not so easy once you come across a statement that seems to contradict it. So in religions, you find this problem. There's apparent contradictions. But it actually helps us become more absorbed. So whether we're going to discuss those things or not, that is the question. But stay tuned and you will find out. Um, before class, I was answering a letter. I just wanted to mention this. And a devotee said that, said, I'm sorry I haven't been able to serve you. He said, I'm giving you donations, but I haven't been able to serve you uh, like I have in the past and then I, I said to him, I said, you should understand that service is more valuable for you than it is for me. It's more important for you than it is for me. Because the service, I said, it probably will help you more than it will help me. Because in one sense, of course I need help. I was doing so many things. But it actually helps the person who's doing the service more in many ways than the person you're serving because we all need service and, and one time Prabhupada said actually I, I've created big projects to give my big leaders something to chew into because they need something big so it almost sounded like he wouldn't have created those projects if he didn't have the big leaders because if they could have just been chanting and hearing more and more preaching, maybe that would have been enough. <laughs> Interesting, anyway. So, just wanted to mention that. And let's do some kirtan. We didn't do any kirtan for the last six classes, I believe. I got so excited to, to talk about what I was reading and what was on my mind, we didn't do kirtan. Hold on. Some more light is required. Just a little bit more. Hare Krishna. Okay. So, excuse me. It's, it's that time in the morning when I sneeze. Hare Krishna. Sneezing time. Radha Madhava Kunja Vihari.
I should be all doing all this controlling, right? Getting ready before we start. But I read in the morning. I answer. Sometimes I answer a few questions that devotees have, and sometimes I have a difficult time stopping. <laughs> time to get ready. I just want to keep reading. So I come in, like this morning. I think I came in to set up and exactly three seconds before we were supposed to start class. I have that tendency to just cram time together. And sometimes I don't want to stop reading, so I, that's why I'm a little late sometimes. But You also come a little late, so... I come a little late sometimes. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. Thank you. 
Continue reading. Ah, I've gone Krishna West today, so I don't have a dhoti, which Krishna Karshani pointed out. The dhotis are hand handy when you have to blow your nose, <laughs> which is very moochy, which we don't recommend, but I have this just in case. So I can at least get this dirty and wash it. I don't have to wear it. We talked yesterday about how moochie it is to blow your nose in a rag and carry it around with you because anything inside your body that comes out is considered contaminating, at least from the spiritual purity perspective. And that you have to clean yourself, wash the cloth, wash yourself. If blood comes out, mucus comes out, saliva comes out, anything comes out, you have to wash yourself if you're doing deity worship. Wash your hands. If the clothes get contaminated, you can't wear them. Women who are off the altar are on their period. Blood's coming out and they can't go on the altar. So we have bodies which are interesting because what's inside of them is considered impure. And you can't worship Krishna. Uh, So, Chris Day is going to record what I'm playing on the piano, and then we can make a recording, right? And all of you, if you like, you can sing on the recording. I'll send it to you, and if you have a way to record, you can all sing and send me back the recording, and we'll have a big choir. How's that sound? Sound good? I think it sounds fantastic. What a great idea. Okay, so now... We are going to begin reading. Kamaniya, you know you know where we left off? I haven't even opened my document yet, so my document should tell me where we left off. It usually does. Usually takes us to Okay. Yes, this is on page twenty-three. It's called The Soul Warms the Body. I thought this was so interesting, maybe obvious, but I've never heard Prabhupada say it in this way before. 
so I just included this as a just interesting an interesting angle on something I think we know already that the soul illuminates the body anyway while you're put while you're looking for it Kamini I think I'll begin reading huh this is called The Soul Warms the Body. This is a morning walk. December 17th, 1973 in Los Angeles. But in the Vaikuntha, each and every planet is glowing. Therefore, there is no need of sun. This is stated in Bhagavad Gita. Nadtad basayate suryaha. There is no necessity of illumination of sun, moon, or electricity. She said, we th I thought we were on eternal relationship. Hold on. No. Did we read what I'm reading yesterday? As I've often said, I can't remember if we've read it. No. This is top of page 23. Um, 99.9% .9 sure we didn't read this yesterday and we read <clears throat> the page before this so Prabhupada says there's no necessity of illumination of sun, moon or electricity Prajapati spirit soul it is also luminous like that he's asking a question is, it soul, is the soul luminous like that no we read one thing yesterday. Maybe you came late. Uh, <clears throat> we definitely read one thing yesterday. The one before that we read. So Prabhupada's saying, you don't need sun, moon, electricity. In the spiritual world, everything's self-luminous. And so then Prajapati's saying, the soul, it also illuminates the body? And Prabhupada's saying, yes. The soul is luminous. And then Prabhupada says, and I thought this was interesting, how is it keeping your body warm? In other words, Prajapati is saying, is the soul luminous? And Prabhupada saying, yes, otherwise, how is your body kept warm? It's not kept warm by anything material. Isn't that interesting? You know, because if you look at something material, and you say, it has to be inherently warm, like fire, to stay warm. But the elements of this body are not inherently warm. They only are warm as the environment they're in. Right? Well, you might say, but there's fire in the body. Okay, but where is it? Oh, it's in the stomach, the fire of digestion. Yeah, but Prabhupada's saying, as you know, what happens when the soul leaves the body? Where does the fire go? So the fire, you say there's fire in the body, but where does it go? Because the body gets cold, it's not warm. <clears throat> so, Prabhupada's saying, Yes, how can your body stay warm unless the soul is there? So the soul is illuminating your body. Which means, right, when you get a temperature, the soul becomes more illuminating. No, not exactly like that. But you understand the point. Prabhupada, it's luminous. How is Otherwise, how is it keeping your body warm? As soon as it goes away, immediately cold. Now we read this yesterday. 
um, we read yesterday. Um, as soon as it goes away, immediately cold, immediately cold, finished, all temperature finished. These are the evidences. So I've never, you know, I, we always say that the soul illuminates the body, and I never thought of it in these terms, that it um, keeps the body warm. I just thought that was interesting. Rupanagu says, It is said that the soul glows with a light brighter than a thousand suns in the Vedas. Yes? Prabhupada. I do not remember. Maybe. The soul is more valuable than the sun because the sun is, after all, <coughs> a matter and the soul is spirit. Therefore, the vast difference of value. You cannot revive the life of a dead body by thousands of suns' heat. It is not possible. It can burn, but it cannot give light. Uh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> the soul can warm the body, but it won't burn it. But the sun, you know, if it gets too hot, it'll burn it. The soul is very powerful, but it doesn't burn the body. That's interesting, isn't it? It illuminates the body without burning it. Hmm. And it's, you know, it's more powerful, or it's powerful enough to illuminate the body without burning it. We'll just put it that way. That's interesting. Srubdhamadar. Just like if we compare the velocity, velocity of light and the velocity of soul, it is Prabhupada. Far, far greater. Srubdhamadar. Yes, far different. It can be immediately on the Prabhupada. Just like Prabhupada's is explaining what Sri Ramadhar was going to, going to explain. Prabhupada, just like Krishna says, Chakta deha puna janma, janma naiti mameti, Bhagavad Gita 4.9, immediately comes to me. In other words, they're saying, you have the state of soul. And so, immediately the soul comes to Krishna. Boom. All the way back to Vaikuntha, to Goloka. To Braj, just in one moment. That's the speed of the soul. That's what they're talking about. So just see the velocity. velocity. As soon as he gives up the body, immediately goes to Krishna. So see. Where is Krishna? You cannot estimate even this material world. In other words, he's saying, he's Prabhupada saying, Krishna is so far away that you can't even estimate the length and breadth of this world, what to speak of getting into the spiritual world. And because the soul is not material on second, you're there. Or a nanosecond, or a nano-nanosecond. Uh, you cannot calculate how far it is, neither by driving your airplane or mind and on value. You can't, you can't calculate with your mind. But the soul is so powerful that immediately he can go there, just like the mind, you are here. Many thousands of miles away, 25,000 miles away, in somewhere, my, the mind can go like, look at the moon. Well, now your mind's on the moon. 90 million or how many million miles it is. That 90 million is the sun. And Prabhupada said the moon's further. Srubdhamadar, just at will, Prabhupada, at will. So the soul is still finer. Intelligence is finer than the mind and the soul is finer then the intelligence. So just imagine what is the velocity, velocity of the soul. The soul is so powerful. 
by yogi simply giving up this material body they can capture the sun rays and immediately go to the sun planet beams of the sun this is science where is that sun he's saying that yogis can travel on beams of sunlight and go to the sun where is that science who knows about that you know the scientists as Prabhupada would say yeah, the scientists are very proud and he'd say yes they've done something we have to give them credit they've done something but this kind of science they don't know, you know traveling on sun rays or traveling to other planets Hare Krishna or living through you know, everybody wants to live long take these pills and the yogis are through pranayama are living 100, 200, 300 years go to Kumbh Mela you see yogis 200 years old 300 years old amazing okay so, we're going to read the next one, since there's no comments or questions. And this next one is, I think, it, 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 it underscores a lot of what we've been talking about previously. Okay, we have a comment. Bhaktichirtha Swami mentions that we can travel on the astral plane when we are asleep, yes, and our subtle body is active. It's amazing how we don't understand our soul, how limited our knowledge is. Yeah, we're, we're... It's like, you know, the story Prabhupada gives of the frog in the well. So one frog gets to the top of the well, and the well is by the ocean, he sees the ocean, and it's the first time he's seen the ocean. So what Prabhupada's trying to explain is that there is no conception of an ocean when you're living in a well. And so when the frog who saw the ocean tries to explain to the other frog there's an ocean, the other frog is like, he can't, he doesn't get it. How big is it? Is it like twice as big as the well? Is it, no, you don't understand. It's, it's like, I can't explain how big it is. It's just like keeps going on and on. And it's like, well, how could it keep going on? It was like three times bigger than the well. He, so the whole point of that story is he has to figure everything out in relation to his well. And the frog said, no, there's this huge body of water that just goes and goes and goes. And the frog in the well can't understand that because the well is quite small. And he's trying to calculate how big the ocean is by multiplying the size of the well. So it's such a good example because Prabhupada's saying that when we're trying to understand the nature of the spiritual world, we're like the frog in the well, and we're just saying, is it, is it twice? Is, I mean, like when you go to the spiritual world, are you like twice as happy as you've ever been here? No, it's not like that. I mean, you, you get to do whatever you want. I mean, what if I want to, you know, sing and dance? No, it's not exactly like what you would want to do here. And, and, but there's no day and night. Everything's light, and do they sleep, and how they... Do you have to sleep? Do you have to eat? And... No, not, don't think of it like here, the bodies aren't material. And so we're always measuring it against our well. And it doesn't work that way. And that's why a lot of times we have trouble trying to understand the spiritual world. <clears throat> because we don't give up the conception of our well. And we try to compare it to our well. And you can't. You have to understand it, it's its own nature. And if you try to compare it to your well, you may have trouble. 
I mean, Shastra often gives examples of the spiritual world using this world because we're in this world. But there, there are limitations to those examples, and sometimes if you, <clears throat> if you try to understand things too much by comparing it to this world, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. And the next thing we're going to read actually answers this or addresses this issue. But anyway, Tanya has a has a comment. What you said about service being more valuable for the one who serves reminded me of an incident that Balaram Shakti Prabhu recalled in one of his lectures when Balaram Shakti Prabhu was a new brahmachari. This is okay, let me go back. A senior devotee asked him to help shave his head. Having just learned how to shave his own head, he immediately felt some pride and asked the senior devotee, how come after all the years in the ashram he still cannot shave his own head? The devotee's reply was amazing. He said that he can perfectly shave his own head, but he wanted to give Balaram Shakti Prabhu a chance for a loving exchange, and that having loving exchange by serving each other is much more valuable than trying to be self-sufficient. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, next time I shave my head, I will call up somebody. Prabhu, can you shave my head? And they'll say, why do you need to shave your head? It's always shaved. And then they'll never come, <clears throat> and I'll be bereft of their association. Okay, so, thank you for sharing that. I like that. Yes. You know I was meant to be a devotee, right? You can tell, right? Eternally shaved up. It means I was destined to be a devotee. Krishna made it easy for me, right? Prabhupada didn't like devotees with long hair, so I don't have that problem. I will, I will never disobey that order. I, it's not possible. <laughs> so this is entitled, What Life is Like in the Spiritual World? And this is conversation May 4th. So I think the last conversation, what was the date? Similar time. Uh, last conversation was December 17th. So this is like eight months, seven months before the conversation we just read. But at this time, Srubhadamadar Prabhu, who then became a sannyasi, at this time he was going on in the morning walks and he was a scientist. And a lot of the conversations on these morning walks talk about things related directly or indirectly directly to evolution and, and, and broader topics, uh, scientific topics. So, Srubhadamadar asks, Srila Prabhupada, the material world is a reflection of the spiritual world. So we have different variegatedness in the material world, different living entities, plants, animals. So, you could see where the question's going. You can say, so does this exist in the spiritual world? Prabhupada says, Prabhupada saying, uh, I'll, uh, sometimes when I read, I'm going to read a little more into 
what Prabhupada's saying, just to make it more clear. So Prabhupada's saying, yes, you have all these things in the spiritual world without the inconvenience. What that means is in the material world, there are so many inconveniences. So in the spiritual world, there is no inconvenience, no inebriety. It is a reflection of the spiritual world. But there are so many difficulties here. Therefore, it is called material world. You know, I have... I'm going to read something to you. And it comes later. But let me just read it now. Because it fits well into the discussions we've been having. Let me see if I can find it. It's just so interesting. It's by Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. and, And we'll read it again later. But I just wanted to read it now because I think you'll appreciate it. And it's probably in this document coming up later. But I found more. This is a quote from, um, what's it from? It's from a book. And it's one paragraph. And we're going to read more on another day, but I want to read this one. The Satanic Frenzy satanic frenzy something satanic means it's satan like or it's coming from satan or related to satan or imbued with satan's shakti and qualities the satanic frenzy in which the jiva <coughs> dislikes the blissful and eternal servant excuse me eternal servant Ooh, let me read this again. The satanic frenzy in which the jiva dislikes the blissful and eternal service of his master and prefers to quench his thirsty desires of enjoying matter opens before him a perpetual spring of liquid fire and poison and at which he begins to drink deep. Thus, in going to lord it over Maya, the jiva becomes enslaved by her. Mm. Oh, Kamania, you know you didn't open the latest document. This is twenty-seven pages. This document. So you may have a different document. Why don't you go check your email from maybe yesterday or some other day when I sent it? I'm going to read that again because I don't know if you got all that. The satanic frenzy in which the jiva dislikes the blissful and eternal servant service of his master. In other words, it's a the demoniac craziness. The satanic frenzy, you just say, the demoniac craziness in which the living entity doesn't like the blissful and eternal service of Krishna and prefers to quench his thirsty desires of enjoying matter. So instead of serving Krishna, he prefers, I dislike the service of Krishna, he prefers to quench his thirsty desires for enjoying matter. I'm going to enjoy myself. I don't want to serve Krishna. This opens before him a perpetual spring, you know, water springing up, of liquid fire and poison. Basically, it means we're bathing in this 
liquid fire of poison, liquid, this spring of liquid fire and poison. Opens before him a perpetual spring of liquid fire and poison at which he begins to drink deep. Hare Krishna. Thus, in going to lord it over Maya, the jiva becomes enslaved by her. Hey, let's go swimming. It's a beautiful spring. And you dive in thinking you're going to cool off and enjoy, and you find out it's actually a spring of fire and poison. And you think, oh, this is nice. Let's drink from it. And then you destroy yourself in the name of trying to enjoy. So I like, I like this. This is so, so good to remember. In trying to be free, in trying to enjoy, Maya will enslave me. It's like, it's like this guy falls in love with a woman, but she demands so much, and she's so hard to get along with that he has to, to, to get the happiness that she can give him, he just has to make so much sacrifice, and he has to suffer so much. <clears throat> so rather than being free in love, he's actually enslaved by, by her, and she tortures him. In the name of freedom, we're enslaved. Oh, 27 pages long, and the last page is blank. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hmm. Yeah, so we have 26, so we have more. More to read, right? Anyway, I have other things I didn't send you I could read if we run out of things to read. So let's continue. I think I left you in. Uh, okay, so I, I left you hanging. Didn't I? Wait a minute. Let me go back because... Let's just start over again. <clears throat> what is life in, like in the spiritual world? Srila Prabhupada, the material world is a reflection of the spiritual world. So we have different variegatedness in the material world, different living entities, plants, animals, Prabhupada. But without inconvenience, I mean in the spiritual world there are so many, material world there's so many inconveniences. So spiritual world there's no inconvenience, inebriety, no inebriety. It is a reflection of the spiritual world, but there are so many difficulties here. Therefore, it's called material. Then I read that thing where we become enslaved. You want to enjoy Maya, you become enslaved by her. You, you jump into the spring of fire and poison thinking, oh, let's drink, it's nice. That's when I read that. Okay, so let's go on reading. Srivdhamadar. No, my question being, so they all have, so they have all the variegatedness in the spiritual world? Prabhupada, yes, there are trees, there's water, there are birds, beasts, but they are all spiritual, just like here. Everything is material. Here, water is working according to the material laws. In the spiritual world, if I say, please come here, he will come here. That is the spiritual world. Prabhupada's referring to water. So he refers to water, then he says, if I say, please come here, that means water, please come here. The water will come. Hmm. I don't think there's an app that can do that. We call it the Vaikuntha app, right? 
So how does the Vaikanta app work? Well, you just say apple and there's the apple. And you just say water and there's the water. And then you just say money and there's money. And you just say gold and there's gold. Wow, that would be a good selling app. And how much will the app cost? Oh, 99 cents. Okay, I'll buy it. I can afford it. <laughs> call it. We'll call it the Chintamani app. Whatever you think. Chintamani means touchstone. Whatever you think, whatever you want, it gives you. It's the magic genie. The spiritual world's like, you know, the magic genie. Yes, master, what do you want? So can you conceive of a place? You're thinking, well, when you go back to the spiritual world, do you have to work or how do you get everything and you have to grow and you have to plan and, you know, be planning farming all day and how does it work and, you know, do they have money up there and what's going on? Yeah, don't worry about it. You want water, it's there. You want food, it's there. Whatever you want, it's there. You just think about it. Mm, okay, sound good? You want to go there? Sound better than here? I think so. <laughs> you know, you know, the more you hear about the spiritual world, the worse this world looks, isn't it? Because we think, well, this world's not so bad. It's, I mean, you know, the weather's nice now, summer, and we're going to, you know, the lake, and, you know, it's a nice sunny day, and we're having a picnic, and everything's fine. Yeah, it does seem that way, and I'm not saying, you know, everything's horrible here all the time. But when you read about the spiritual world, and then you compare the material world to those descriptions, then you start thinking, oh, this world is not looking so good. It used to look better until I read about the spiritual world. Now it's not looking so good. It, it, it's like that with products, isn't it? You know, you have a product and you're very happy with it. And then you think, hey, this product is great. And then they come out with a new improved or another company comes out with a better product. And the better product is so much better that you just take your other product and you throw it away. I don't want to use it anymore. I don't like it anymore. It's not good. So it has that effect when you read about the spiritual world, don't you think? Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see in our reading if you have what I'm reading or not. Maybe I didn't send you the latest. Then let's continue reading. Shubhdamadar says, so last thing Prabhupada said, uh, if I say, water, please come here, he will come. That is the spiritual world. Wow. Sign me up. How do I get there? Sounds amazing. So you can give a lecture, you know, Sunday feast. Imagine there's a place you go. You don't have to work. Weather's always perfect. There's no envy, anger, hatred, you know, nothing, nothing that would disturb anyone's mind or heart or the environment. And on top of that, the reason you don't have to work is because whenever you want something, you just say water, and water comes, apple, and it comes, or gold plate, and it comes, or whatever you want, it comes. What do you think? Sound good? Like to go there? We're selling tickets here, um, and like, oh, how much are the tickets? 16 rounds, four principles. You want a ticket? And then when you get the ticket, you have to validate your ticket daily with 16 rounds and four principles to keep it, you know, current. Otherwise, you'll go to get on the plane and they'll say, sorry, 
You didn't keep your ticket validated. We can't let you on. Anyway, so that's the price. Not when you... The Prabhupada would always say, what's the problem? You just, you just chant for two hours. You have 24 hours. And four, you know, what's the problem? Four regular principles. What's the problem? Just control yourself. And we're thinking, wait a minute. I can't even find two hours. Or during those two hours, I can't, I can't even muster up the energy to chant because I have no taste. And as far as the regular principles, well, you know, not so easy. But Prabhupada... He's coming from a different position. He's coming from the position, say, wait a minute, look what you're getting for this price. Like if I say, <clears throat> I have something, and it's $5,000, and you're saying, whoa, that's expensive. I don't know if I could pay $5,000, but I didn't even tell you what it was. And then I say, it's a mansion. You can buy a mansion on a hundred acres in the mountains for five thousand dollars and then you think oh that's cheap yeah i'll buy it i'll get the five thousand or here here take it here's my five thousand it's something like that so when Prabhupada's saying this is easy it's not uh, it doesn't take much time he's looking at it in, in terms of what you're getting for your money so to speak and we're looking at we tend to look at it like <laughs> it's so hard. It takes so much time. I don't know if I can do this. I have to control myself. You know, do it every day. So many devotees are having trouble. He's not looking at like that at that, and he doesn't want us to look at it like that. So I think this is very important, don't you? You know, when you when you're saying, I I was just um, this company, this music company, they. They send me in the mail a little catalog of, you know, like the latest music equipment. Because if you're a musician and you're not careful, you get addicted to buying musical equipment. Whatever it is, instruments or recording gear, drums, you know. It's just, so they feed the addiction and they send you things in the mail with all like the latest gadgets and this and that. And so they sent me one yesterday and there's one page of guitars and the price of the guitars is starts at I think the cheapest one was three thousand dollars and it went up to six thousand dollars because it's a an addiction guitar addiction why am I talking about guitar addiction was why, why was I talking about addiction I forgot can somebody tell me I completely forgot lost my train of thought why was I talking about that? You get addicted to the material world. Anyway, something like, yeah, something in relation to how great we think this world is and how we get addicted to it. Oh, how much? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was because, it was because they're expensive. It's like, you would pay six? No, there was one guitar that was $9,999. So who would... Who would buy that guitar? Well, you know, if you're famous and you're making, you know, $100,000 in royalties every every month or as George Harrison made every day, then, yeah, you can buy a $10,000 guitar. It's like a toy for you. And you say, why would you spend $10,000? Look at this guitar. It's amazing. It's got this wood from, you know, there's only like six trees in the world that grow this wood and 
it, it, nothing sounds as good with this wood and it's got like ivory and gold in the fretboard and it's it's got these kinds of pickups and they've only made in the history of the universe like 43 of these pickups and the pickups themselves are like $3,000 and like, okay, okay, I understand why it's so expensive. Oh yeah, $10,000, yeah, that's a good deal. All of a sudden it changes because you understand the value. So if you understand the value, actually understand what's going on in the spiritual world, when we haven't even talked about Krishna, we're just talking about the side benefits. And we haven't even talked about your relationship with Krishna, we're just talking about water. You get water by saying water. That's pretty good. So, you know, but seriously, when you understand the benefits of it, then it's like, okay, 16 rounds, that's a deal. 10000 for that guitar? And we think, well, that's expensive. No, you don't understand this guitar, you know. It's like, you just touch it and it plays for you. You don't even have to know how to play it. Just pick it up and... Oh, man, this is amazing. It practically plays for me. You know, like, and the sound, I never heard a guitar sound like this. So, okay, now I know why it's $10,000. It, this guitar should cost 100000 It's amazing. That's the idea. When you learn about the spiritual world and you think, 16 rounds and four principles, that's all I have to do? Are you kidding me? That's all? And I can go back to Godhead? Oh, Krishna, that's amazing. Otherwise we say, oh, man, why couldn't Prabhupada make four rounds? Why couldn't he make three principles? This is so hard. I don't know if I could do it. You know, I've got so many problems. My mind, you know, and I grew up like this. And, you know, to control myself now as an adult, you know. Isn't it? And Prabhupada's sitting there listening to that, and he's thinking, I can't believe you're saying that. Here's a, I'm offering you this 10,000, this guitar, it should cost like $3 million. It's so amazing. I'm giving it to you for 10,000. And you're saying, no, let's use, I'm giving you a mansion. It's worth $5 million for 5,000. And you're saying, hmm, 5,000. Can you make it cheaper? How about 2,500? Would you, would you take that much? And the Prabhupada's looking at us thinking, thinking, these people, they don't understand what they're getting. And they don't understand how cheap, how little they're paying for it. They think they're paying a lot, but they're paying a little. So it's nice to meditate this way when you're having difficulty in your Krishna consciousness to think, no, this is cheap and I'm getting a treasure for practically nothing. Okay. Just want to make that point because I think it's super important. So now Srivadamadar is saying, so the difference is that the spiritual, and Prabhupada interrupts and finishes what he was saying. Everything is spirit, you know, so the difference. He says, what's the difference is that the spiritual, everything is spiritual. As here, everything is material, there everything is spiritual. Now try to understand what is matter, what is spirit. Spirit, as I was explaining yesterday, the spirit is the conductor, operator of the airplane. So matter is working under the guidance of spirit. So there, everything being spirit, there is no necessity of another spiritual guidance. Like here, you need soul 
to move matter, but there everything is soul. So you don't have that you don't have that duality. You don't need something to move spirit. Spirit moves itself. Srubdhamadar. So we have in this material world we have the evolution. Prabhupada. No, there is no evolution. Because there's no birth. And he's asking. So it's like there's some kind of well, in the material world there's evolution. I think Srubdhamadar was also indicating, so that means there's no evolution in the spiritual world. The prophet saying, no, no evolution because there's no birth. There's nothing to evolve. No, and so so Subhadamadar was saying, he was, he was actually referring, he said, no, he's saying, we have in the material world evolution. And prophet said, spiritual world, no, no birth. Subhadamadar says, no, I, was mean, I mean in the material world. Prabhupada. Material world, there's evolution because there is birth. But in the spiritual world, there is no birth. Birth, death, old age, disease, these things are not there. There is no question of evolution. Evolution means to transmigrate from one body to another. But there is no such thing. Everyone is eternal. There is no death. There is no transmigration. This is botheration. Therefore, spiritual world means all the varieties of the material world, less botheration, minus botheration. That's interesting. <laughs> Let me read that again. That's a that's a sutra. Powerful sutra. There's no death, there's no transmigration. This is botheration. So here's the sutra. Therefore, spiritual world means all the varieties of the material world, less the botheration. All the varieties of the material world minus botheration. Isn't that interesting? What's the spiritual world like? Well, everything that's here, minus the botheration. What botheration? Birth, old age, disease, and death, and working, and having a material body. Minus that botheration. Interesting, right? You like that one? All the, what's the spiritual world like? All the varieties? None of the botheration. Hmm. Is that a t-shirt? The spiritual world. All the varieties, none of the botheration. But people probably wouldn't understand what that means. Maybe somebody can come up with a statement that could... The spiritual world has all the varieties of this world, but none of the botheration. And then people say, oh, I like this world, I'm happy. I just talked to a devotee. I woke him up at 1.30 in the morning last night. And I said, why don't you go back to sleep? He wanted to talk earlier. I didn't have time. And he goes, no, no, I can. I'll ne I never get you on the phone. So he stayed up like for an hour and a half talking. And he said, um, he said, you know, his father's a Hindu. And his father said, my life is good. I'm happy. What's the problem? I'll come back again. You know, why do I have to go out of this world? You know, I have created good karma. I have good karma. Everything's good. I have a line for that. This one man, I was giving a, a class in Delhi, or some suburb of Delhi, and it was at a school, and the principal of the school said the same thing to me. He said, he said, excuse me, let's see if get some more light here. Maybe a little more. He said, I'm happy. Everything's good, nice life. Why, why do I have to worry about liberation? And I said, 
because Krishna wants you to go back there. He misses you. And the man was floored. He was like, it was like a hurricane hit him. He'd never heard that before. And he said something like, Oh my God, you are right. I never thought like that. So that's the answer at least you can give to Hindus. Or give, I guess you can give to anyone. And say, but it's nice here. I like it. Everything's good. I don't mind coming back. No, but God wants you. He misses you. You left home. He wants you back. It's a nice answer, right? Krishna inspired me to say that. And the man loved it. I would love to be a beautiful peacock in the spiritual world. I'd love to be a beautiful peacock in the spiritual world. Well, Vrindavan Lila, you will be if that's what you want. Krishna will let you be a beautiful, but don't be proud. But don't be a proud peacock in the spiritual world. You're in the spiritual world. You can't be proud peacock. Ananda Sham says, how can we balance a correct view of material world, seeing it as Krishna's divine energy, but at the same time understanding that it is not a real home, but without thinking in a negative way about it. Well, this is such an interesting question because our our scripture says it's negative, but that, that negativity is really for people who are entangled in it. You say, no, you have to see it as negative because that way you get out of it. But Prabhupada Saraswati says, everywhere a devotee sees in the material world, he sees Krishna, so he just sees happiness. He's happy. So, I see Krishna everywhere, and I'm happy. But in the conditioned state, I don't see Krishna everywhere. And I can easily point out to a conditioned soul, you're suffering, to point out that Krishna is everywhere and help him see that and experience that, that will take time. But I can, I can get him on the path by telling him things are bad. And then at a certain point, we evolve and we don't need to be impelled in our bhakti. And then we, we are absorbed so much so that we're so Krishna conscious, the body may be in the material world, but our consciousness is not. So we don't, we don't say negative because we're not really in this world. But we might preach it's negative for the benefit of other people. But for us, we're living in the transcendental world. And everything's blissful. It's, there's no, you know, what does Prabhupada say? What does scripture say? There's no difference for a devotee, material or spiritual. <clears throat> and then either Prabhupada or Samacharya says, when, he says, when you're chanting, you see the leelas, but in a more advanced stage, you enter the leela while you're chanting. So imagine you're chanting Hare Krishna, and instead of falling asleep and looking at your phone, you're actually <laughs> you're actually in the leela of Krishna while you're chanting. So you're not in the material world. So it doesn't matter, you know, that you're in Santiago, Chile, or you're in Switzerland, or you're in Poland, Polski, or you're in London, in France, Germany, or Tana. Hare Krishna for Russia doesn't matter where you are because you're not there anymore. <laughs> you're with Krishna. You're with. You're in Lila. You're. You know. You're relishing. You're hearing. Your your consciousness is not in Santiago right now. 
Anandashampramsati. Your consciousness is not there at all. Hare Krishna, Evarasa, attend Hare Krishna. You're not in Russia when you chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> You're in the spiritual world. Mm, no, in the spiritual world. Not in from Mexico, I chant Hare Krishna from Mexico. Mexico. You're not in Mexico. You're in the spiritual world, Prabhu. You're not in Mexico. That was one of the first things that was one of the first things I learned as a devotee. Is they, they would say I, I was in Berkeley, California where I joined and they'd say, This house, this is temple, is not in Berkeley, it's in Vicunta. I'm like my mind's going mm. my mind started cracking. It's not in this house is actually in the spiritual world. And I said, Yeah, because nothing the modes of nature, they're outside this house. When you go inside the house, there's no modes of nature. There's nothing material is going on here. So it's the spiritual world. So if there's no modes of nature, you're transcendental. It, it, at least when you're hearing Bhagavatam and you're chanting purely, you're transcendental. So this whole the material world is bad. It's only when you can't see and relish Krishna consciousness and and that's the, like practically the only way you're going to be Krishna conscious is somebody behind you with a like a knife pushing you in the back and going, if you walk back, you will die because you're going to walk into this knife. So just keep walking forward. And so knowledge is like that. It's like we have this knife behind us. Thinking, I'd really like to do that, but I know if I walk backwards, the knife's going to stab me because because there's this wall in my life now that I'm Krishna conscious. I know the misery's there, so if, if I walk back, I just walk into knives. So I need that. But in a more advanced stage, you don't need that. You're, you're so Krishna conscious. You don't the material world is miserable because you don't even live in the material world. So it, has no, it doesn't even relate to you. It's not relevant. Why are you telling me this world is miserable? I don't live in this world. I'm not part of it. You know, even though we get sick and that, but you know, I mean, look at Prabhupada. It's amazing. You know, you all know this is amazing. In his last days, he's translating. This is like inconceivable. His body he hasn't eaten in so many years. He's, his body is falling apart. He's got no energy and he's translating. What world is he living in? And then we say, Prabhupada left. No, he didn't leave. He was there before he left. Well, it seems like he left. He didn't, you know, we say, okay, he went back to Godhead. No, he didn't go back to Godhead. He never left it. He's with Krishna now. No, he was never not with Krishna. So sometimes we say those things, you know, it's almost like an insult. You say, oh, he went, he went to Krishna. No, you, you're insinuating he wasn't with Krishna. He always was with, with Krishna. So, yeah. So that's why Prabhupada Nanda Saraswati says, that the the material world for a devotee it's all happiness. What does he say? S material world, sukai, sukha. I forget the Sanskrit. Anybody know the Sanskrit? Sukayate, Vishwapurna, Vishwapurna sukayate, Vishwa the world, Vishwa the world, the universe, Purna full sukayate of happiness. The world is full of happiness for the devotee. Wow. Because he's not in the world. They're, oh, was he happy all the time? He must be enjoying the world. No, he's not in it. He's not enjoying sense gratification. So that was a good question. Thank you for asking that. Keep your ticket validated. 
16 rounds, four principles, keep it right. Bang for your buck. Yeah, okay. So Kamini is reminding me. 16, <laughs> this is a good one. I should do a talk on that. Okay. It's time to write something down. Because Prabhupada said to remember means to remember to write it down. So we'll do a video. And when you see these videos, you'll go, oh yeah, we got that idea in class. 16 rounds. Four principles, and we'll call it the best bang for your buck. So I think, Kamini, we have to explain bang for your buck. It's, I don't know, it's a British, English, or American, but in the English language, if, let's say you're looking at, at, at different products that do the same thing, and you look at their features, and you look at their cost. And so if something is very good, and it does what all the other ones do as well, or especially if it does it better at a lower price, and it has more features, then we say you get more bang for your buck, which means buck is another way of saying a dollar, and more bang means you're getting more for your money. So you get more bang for your buck. 16 rounds, four principles. What did I say? The best bang for your buck. 16 rounds, the best spiritual bang for your buck. 16 rounds, four principles, the best bang for your buck in the world. I have to say in the world. You understand bang for your buck? It's like, like sometimes a company will make something that's very expensive. Um, and then another company will make a copy of it or something that does it as well. But it's like a third of the price. And they'll say, this, this third of the price product is as good, just doesn't have the reputation or the branding as the other one. So you get more bang for your buck because you're paying less and getting more. Yash, good? You're learning oh, a new English expression. Okay. Gurmash, what you are saying about the spiritual world is proof for me that we have never been in the spiritual world. We would not change Merce uh, Mercedes class, spiritual world, into old junk Toyota material world. Yes, this is, this is something I won't say anything about right now. Um, guitar addiction. Why am I talking about guitar addiction? Who knows why Vaishnavas? You can't understand Mahatmas. Don't try to understand. Fortunately, I'm not addicted to guitars. I only have one. But I have a friend who has 18. Maybe he has more now. I haven't counted lately. So, um, I may get into this fall of the jiva and where he comes from issue a little more because I've been reading about it and it just is interesting philosophically and I like to actually resolve it let me close the door
A ghost just came in. I have to ask him to leave, and then I'll close the door. Ghost, it's time to go. Unless you want to sit for class, sit here. Seems like the ghost wants to stay for class, so we let him sit here. He just walked in. You ever hear these stories? Like, I think in Malaysia or somewhere, cow, a cow used to come for Bhagavatam class, and then he would bring other cows, and they would sit there for class, and then there was a big festival, and they found out about it, and they came. Who knows what's going on? So, Krishna Karshani, I want to... I really like to talk about this topic a little more, but I... I want to discuss it more with some God brothers. Um, and you know, the, the, one of the problems we have in ISKCON is that we're a growing and evolving movement and our understanding grows and evolves over time because we learn more, we become more intelligent, um, more books are translated, we have more information. So our knowledge base grows, our realization grows, our understanding grows, and then sometimes we look at what Prabhupada said in a slightly different way because we, now we have more information from other Shastra and we have more maturity. The problem is that sometimes what you'll find at ISKCON is that ISKCON has established the Siddhanta. This is what it appears that Prabhupada said or this is what the accepted conclusion. Although Prabhupada may have said many things about something, there's an accepted conclusion. This is what it means. And the accepted conclusion in ISKCON, you don't want to, you want to be able to understand it, explain it, or if you feel it's incorrect, um, to you know, discuss that with senior devotees and say, well, you know, ISKCON or general preachers say this, but according to my understanding, this doesn't seem true. What's your understanding? You, you get a mature understanding from many senior devotees. And then maybe Iskand's evolving, and maybe, or maybe there are other things other acharyas said that are different from what Prabhupada said. So I just want to go a little more deeply into it, if we're going to discuss it, because I don't want to say anything that would confuse anybody or be contradictory to what other preachers are saying, or if it is contradictory, to explain why other preachers say what they say. So, but it's definitely coming up a lot in what I'm studying about the nature of the spiritual world and how we got here. But one thing I can say is that everything we've been saying about how we got here, as I've often said, it applies because because even the literature that says we weren't in the spiritual world and we, we came from a Tatasta position says that we had a little Krishna consciousness, you know, dormant within us, but we didn't choose it. We chose Maya. So there is the, con there is the understanding that the jiva does have some dormant Krishna consciousness, but the jivas who come to this world choose not to revive it. They choose to turn away. So, wherever you say you've fallen from, that basic concept is there. That, that As Prabhupada says in, in one purport, he says, you know, there's pure consciousness in the beginning, 
But it's kind of like pure, he really means it's pure, it's like pure subtle consciousness. It's like, it's there, pure consciousness is there, but it has to be awakened. And so you're kind of in a neutral state, Shantara state. And then that from Shanta state, you can choose Krishna or Maya. And, but the Krishna consciousness is there, but it's just under. And so you can choose it and, and choose and revive it because you're a soul. So by nature, as a soul, Krishna consciousness is there. But you're neutral because you haven't accessed it. And you haven't accessed Maya yet. And that's what it means to Tasta. You're right. You're like right in the middle. Tata means demarcation between one thing and another. And Ashta means situated. So you're situated to Tasta right in the middle. And then you can activate. No, here's your credit card, you know, Krishna conscious credit card, but it's not activated yet, but it's there, but you have it. And then you have your Maya credit card. All right, I want to activate this one or that one. Maya is not dormant in you. This credit card is, you know, it's, 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 yeah, so maybe it's not a good, you, you, you can, you can say reactivate it, you have it. This one you have to activate for the first time. This one you'll reactivate in the sense that it's dormant. So the Shastra never said Maya is dormant. It said Krishna consciousness is dormant. And so, but it's it's not it's not manifest. It's neutral. And then Krishna lets you decide. That's that's the other explanation. That's the explanation of well, you didn't fall from Krishna. You were just you didn't start there. So then you had to choose from there. But fundamentally no matter how you, you teach it or what teaching you follow, fundamentally there's this like position where you're a, a, a jiva soul that has the choice to, for Krishna or not. So as I said many times, where however you feel you fail, the reason you fail is the same, although it may not make philosophical sense that you could fall from the spiritual world because how could you fall from prema? And if you have prema, how would you have independent choice and, you know, that definitely makes sense. But at this point in the discussion, to not get too controversial, the, the point of being Tatashta is that you can go into Maya. That's the meaning of Tatashta. It's, it's like you can go either way. So sometimes, you know, devotees ask, and in this, these classes, devotees have asked, they said, why do, why do Krishna let us choose Maya? Because we're tatasta, because that's our nature. We're spiritual, but we have the the we're of this energy that even though we're spiritual, we're of the energy that can choose matter and then be we'll never be material, but we can be controlled by matter and we have that choice. That's what it means to be tatasta. And if you're not a tatasta, then you could never choose Maya. But if you're you know, like Mother Yusoda is not gonna choose Maya, right? She's not tatasta. But if you're a tatashta, which means you're in the marginal position between the spiritual and material, then you can choose the material and spiritual. And so some choose the spiritual, some choose the material. Then you might think, why do we want to choose the material? Well, we read what Bhakti Siddhanta said. Basically, basically we turned against Krishna. We just decided this is what I want to do. And, you know, why did we decide and why did someone else decide? The living entity is eternally independent. Maybe you'll never know why you made that decision, but we definitely know it was a bad decision. And we know we made it to imitate Krishna. And so those, that's essentially what we need to know. 
that's why we made it. Um, the, the problem is, the problem is we're always, it's not that we made it once, we're always making that. That's what it means to be conditioned soul. If we weren't always making that, we would have gone back to Godhead. And in your life, even becoming, as becoming a devotee, when, you, when you're still not completely purified, you're still in this tatasta position where, you know, this morning I didn't chant my rounds because I made a choice to do something else or I chose to watch something that has actually no benefit, absolutely no benefit for me. And it's just purely entertainment, material entertainment, and I didn't chant my rounds. I made that choice. So as tatasta... We always have this choice. And then as you become more purified, you will not make this choice away from Krishna. You will make more and more choices to Krishna, less and less away. And when you're in a completely purified position, you'll make only choices for Krishna because you love him. So as you advance in Krishna consciousness, you'll see, you'll see more material choices as you advance, more spiritual, less material. So for every 25 spiritual you make one material choice of uh, forgetting Krishna doing something forgetting Krishna as you advance 50 spiritual choices one for you know 100 to one a thousand to one a million to one and then unlimited to zero so this philosophy of how we fell because we're tatasta because we're marginal it's always happening it didn't just happen then because once you become, what did Prabhupada say? He said, once you become a devotee, your real freedom of choice is either Krishna or Maya. Because if you choose Maya, she'll just manipulate you according to the modes of nature. And therefore, your only choice is to get out of Maya, choose, choose something outside of Maya. So we're basically confronted with that, that same situation. Krishna or Maya, do I want to be the enjoyer or serve the enjoyer? We're confronted with that all the time. And, you know, and if we look at this, we, we might say, you know, that was a really stupid mistake I made. And I would say, yeah, so why do you keep making it? Right? <laughs> we have to say that. If you, if you think that's a stupid mistake, that'll be really good for your Krishna consciousness, especially if you realize you're still making the stupid mistake sometimes. And then you start thinking, I made one huge stupid mistake and I haven't learned and I'm still making that stupid mistake sometimes. So I think that's a, it's a good way of thinking. It's a helpful way of thinking. Isn't it? You agree? Tell me you agree, it makes me feel good. If you don't agree with me, I, I can't face the world. Only kidding. You you don't have to agree. We can have discussion. Okay, I'm gonna button the top of my shirt just so I look more proper. Now I look like a Catholic priest, right? It's a white collar. I'm not Catholic. Maybe I look too proper. No. Okay, now we're gonna get serious, everyone. I button my shirt. It's time to be serious. Yeah, that's that's the problem, you know. I'm serious inside, but outside, I don't I don't know something about me. I don't I don't like being too serious. I think the reason is I'm a coward boy, and the coward boys are always joking. And I think you know because if you if you 
if you spend a lot of time with me, you'll see that I, I'm, I'm always joking about something. It must be that I'm a coward boy. There's no, it must be. It cannot be explained any other way. But I was just noticing that about myself. Like I don't, like being serious is, can you imagine the coward boys being serious? We have to herd the cows today. We have to line them up. Okay, boys, get in line. All right, let me check your lunches. Make sure you have, you know, it's not like that. Oh, Mahatma Prabhu revealed his rasa to the world. He's a coward. What's your name? What, who are you? Anyway. So we have another question. How can we balance a correct view of material world? Oh, yeah. We got it. We got that question. You're always with God. Morning walk. Nairobi. Oh. That answers that question. You're always in the spiritual world. The price for going to the spiritual world in Kali Yuga sounds like super sale for me. I mean, only four rags, 16 rounds? It's really cheap. In other sanghas, they have to pay 64 rounds. Prabhupada made discount. Yeah, but other sanghas, I'll have to pay four rounds. Four rounds and three, and no principles. Well, you're like, that's a real deal. But it seems that Prabhupada's saying, if you don't do 16 and four, you, there's no guarantee you're going to go back to Godhead. So... Anyway, we'll leave it at that, that meditation. Uh, when you're chanting, you are in Krishna Leela. Well, I don't know about when you are chanting, all of you out there, but when the pure devotee is chanting. It's not when we're chanting, we're in Krishna. Okay, in theory, we're in Krishna Leela, but when the pure devotee chants, they're in Krishna Leela. That's for sure. Uh, uh, first you see the Leela, and then... First you see the Leela, and then <laughs> you enter the Leela. Bang for your buck is definitely American English. Yeah, okay. Doesn't even sound good with a British accent. It's quite a good bang for your buck, Prabhu. Doesn't work, but it's good bang for your buck, man. Yeah, it works. That way it works better, yeah. Buck is only American. Yeah, right. It's quite a... So you have to change it. Quid, you have, see, in Britain, instead of buck, they say quid. It's quite a something starts with a Q for your quid. You'll have to come up with a new one, Kamania. You'll figure it out, right? We'll have a new one for England. Cost-benefit analysis. Okay. The cost-benefit ratio of what you're paying to go back to Godhead and what you're getting, it is in your favor by like a million percent. The deal of a lifetime. Okay. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> That'll be the subtitle, Gopalananda. The deal of a lifetime. And what was the other one before that? Cost-benefit. Yeah, I'll make notes. Doing the cost... Okay, today... We're doing a cost-benefit analysis. This is what you get. You get eternal life, anything you want, it's there. Mine, everything you want minus the suffering, and you get to dance with Krishna. And this is what you pay for it. In our cost-benefit analysis, we have found that it's quite a deal. Bang for your buck may not be understood by many of your international followers. I'll look to see if there's a similar saying. 
bang for your buck is a, it's a you know it's a consumer statement in America is the heart of the, cons- the consumer consumer capital of the planet Americans you know if every what do they say if everyone lived like Americans we'd need like three planets someone said we'd need 10 planets you know why Americans have garages garage as you say in England garage used to be for their cars you know because we keep their car parked inside it lasts longer but now we have so much junk have to take the car out of the garage and put all your junk in the garage because you can't fit it all in the closets in your house. Yes, it's true. And it, and then we have storage areas outside where you can rent space outside to put your junk. Because if it won't fit it all in your garage, then you have to go outside and put it there. Of course, it, it works for people who are moving. Uh, they have no place to put their stuff. But even people who have place to put their stuff sometimes need more space. <laughs> Kopalananda has a great suggestion, the deal of a lifetime, yeah. I need to leave early, but we'll listen later, okay. We will see you later. Another idea, best deal in town, okay. Um, yeah. Best deal in town or best game in town? 16 rounds, four principles. Best deal in town. Best deal in the world. It was actually the best deal in the world. Isn't it? Welcome, Edwin. Edwin, yeah. Jenkins is the second. Wow. So you mean Nityasiddhas are not Tatashta? How can they be? You think Mother Yasoda and Anandamaraj could fall? You think, you know, Principal Gopis, you know, can fall? It's a different energy. It is different. It has to be, right? Then, then Krishna Karshani will say, well, that being true, which we all know, what about everyone else up there? Are, are they different? They're Nityasiddhas. Nityasiddhas can't fall. Hmm. That's complicated, but Krishna Karshani. The good thing about this confusion is it makes us study more. I was studying what Bhakti Siddhanta said about this, I was studying what Bhakti Vinod Thakur said about it, studying what Prabhupada said about it. So when, you know, it's not bad to be confused in the sense that if you're confused, it, 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 it confused meaning you read something that appears to be different, or devotees are saying that they heard Prabhupada say something, or Prabhupada did say something, which appears to be different from other things Prabhupada said and other things Acharyas said. So then you think, okay, it can't be different, we have to figure this out. It appears different externally. So then you start reading you know, more and more and finding more things about the, the fall of the jiva, the origin of the jiva, and you learn a lot in doing that. So controversy is okay if it if it absorbs you. Sometimes sometimes controversies are very absorbing. Like what did Prabhupada, you know, what did Prabhupada say about women? He said some things which were not flattering, to put it mildly. Also, you know, not so much him saying it, but quoting those who said it or quoting Shastra or quote, or quoting tradition. This is the traditional position of a woman. 
And then you read all these things and you think, but if we followed and preached exactly that, every woman in ISKCON would leave and no women would join. So obviously Prabhupada didn't preach that way or emphasize, but he did say certain things that could really be a turnoff for women. And so you're thinking, okay, what did he mean? Why did he say that? Why, why was he not dealing with women the way he talked sometimes in his books about them? And it's just like, and then he's saying, no, but women are, our devotees are most intelligent or um, women are very clever, but here it says they're less intelligent. And, and then, you know, the whole 32 ounce, 64 ounce, which he had learned from a professor in the early 1900s, which was later proven untrue, and how do I understand that? And you're just your your mind's going back and forth. That's good because it makes you it makes you study. Now you have a reason to study, and it makes your mind think, which is much better than thinking about mundane things, right? So I think controversies, if if handled philosophically and handled in terms of trying to understand Siddhanta from Prabhupada's teaching the teaching of the Acharyas, and making sense of it, it was very, very inspiring, very healthy, very enlivening. So in that sense, I like controversy because it, it can absorb us very much. And, and, you know, studying something in a way we've never really studied it before because now this big burning question is in, in our head. How can the jiva fall from the spiritual world the eternal associates don't fall. You can't fall from prema. How could you make? How could you make a choice, a bad choice? And then Prabhupada's saying you always have independence. And then the question is, but where is Prabhupada talking about that independent choice being made? Can it be made from there? And then Prabhupada's saying, but when you go there, you never fall down, which would seem to indicate that from there you you. You, you, in theory, philosophically, could make that choice, but you can't because there's nothing to impel that choice. And they say, but he said we were with Krishna and Leela, and we fell from Leela. And that doesn't make sense with the other things, and you're, you're going back and forth. So instead of becoming like bewildered, discouraged, and just go, oh, I can't, I can't deal with this, <sighs> throw all the books down, or you know, never open them up again, and say, no, let, let's take it in a way that it would help us go deeper in understanding, okay, what's the nature of the jiva? What does tatasta mean? What does Prabhupada mean? Well, originally we were all Krishna conscious. You know, what does Prabhupada mean? We have a relationship with Krishna. Do, do we awaken it? Is it there? Is it given to us? Is Mahaprabhu giving us something that we wouldn't normally have? And you're like reading and just calling up senior devotees. You're like, Can you explain this to me? It's... It's actually what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be absorbed like that and just you know, absorbing our minds and trying to understand. So in that sense, it's not like you're doubting Prabhupada or doubting your guru. You're just trying to understand. Say, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm trying to understand this. How can you fall from prema? Because, And then when Jaya and Vijay fail, people say, yeah, but Jaya and Vijay fail. But Prabhupada said, Nobody falls from Vaikuntha, and Jayam Vijay was Leela. So they go, okay, Prabhupada says no one falls from Vaikuntha. But then he's saying we were the Krishna and Leela. Well, how is that? So what Krishna and what Leela, what does that mean? And so you're, you know, and you're going, well, but Bhaktivinoda Thakur said that the origin of the jiva is not in the spiritual world, it's in the Tatashta. But 
you're Krishna conscious in that tatasta. Is that what Prabhupada means that we're with Krishna? That Krishna is that what he means going back to Godhead? That it's there, or that's where we belong? You know, it's like all this. Okay, and you're going back and forth, and but the result of that is you're getting more absorbed and you're learning more. So. It's not bad to doubt if you're open to be proven wrong or to start with an assumption that it seems like this. Let me try to prove this assumption to be true or let me try to prove it to be false. But it's an assumption which I'm making this assumption based on what I've heard and studied and read. But I've heard other things which are contrary to this assumption. So let me study to learn. (laughs) Goranga. If I chant Goranga every time I sneeze, I'll be chanting 16 rounds of Goranga today. Hare Krishna. Goranga, Goranga. I just carry my beads with me so I can count all the Gorangas. Um, a living entity who can't fall cannot be Tatasta. Because Tatasta means... In between. Anyway. You look as good as a Christian priest. Oh, okay. Is that a compliment or not a compliment? I, For me, it's not a compliment. But maybe it is for someone. <clears throat> is it possible that some devotees that were in this spiritual world and used their free will to be born in the situation to assist Prabhupada? Yeah. But they wouldn't use their free will to come. They wouldn't use their free will to come into Maya. They would use their free will to volunteer, to preach. Oh, you just fell from the spiritual world last week, so we'll enlist you in in my pastimes in Navadvip. No, not like that. No, you you will come. You're coming to help. You're coming from the spiritual world by my order to help me. Or you've asked, like Lord Brahma said, can I take birth in your lila? when you come as Lord Chaitanya. And sometimes devotees ask, can I take birth in your Leela when you come? And Lord Chaitanya says, okay, you can take birth in my Leela. So, that's how it is. So then, you know, okay, either I ask you to take birth or I'm going to let you take birth. But not like you fall fall because you're in Maya and then you get picked up. Well, you know, you're a new, you're a newly fall, you're a newly, you're a newly fallen. So we'll engage you because you're not so contaminated. No, it's not like that. When the pure devotee chants, they are in Krishna Lila. Okay, that's it. Four rounds and 64 principles. <laughs> 64 items. How about 64 rounds and 64 principles? Uh, there says, I, I totally agree about being serious. Devotees often say, he's a serious devotee. Well, that's an oxymoron. Because devotees are joyful and blissful, not serious. I would say sincere. Well, you know, just because you're serious about your bhakti doesn't mean you're not light and joyful. So when when we say serious, it means, you know, he's determined. He's not going to mess around. But it doesn't mean he's not joyful and playful and blissful. The prophet said be childlike. So he meant, you know, Krishna consciousness is light and blissful. You may be eating prasadam and joking and having a good time. It doesn't mean you're not going to finish your rounds. 
you're still serious. Americans are real, and the British are proper, but not always so real. You don't really know what's going on with the Brits because they don't really let you know, right, coming in? It's just, everything's got to be proper, proper. But what's going on inside, you may not know. It's not so good for bhakti. I'm sure all the Brits aren't like that. But what I found being in England is if you go on like a subway or what do you call it, the tube or a train, at least when I've been on, it's like you can't get anyone to look at you. You look at them, they'll immediately look away. You can play a game. It's like, how many people can I get to look away in England? But if you do it in America, you won't, you'll get a lot of more people just going, hey, shaking their heads, smiling. They, you know, most people, not to say most, many won't look away. But in England, it's like, they pretend they don't exist. They pretend they didn't see that you're, you know, they go like that because they, they can see you're looking at them. Because now we have our phones. So phones are good for British people because they can just get on the subway and be like this, right? You don't have to look at anybody. Just be proper, not impolite. Right? Yeah. I was recently in London. Well, not so recently. But when I was last there, it was November or something. We got on a train and 108% of the people on the train looked like this. Every single one. There was no interaction. Seems like that's the way they like it over there. <laughs> it's not bad to be confused. It's just bad to stay confused. Okay, we'll do another video on that. I like that. You know, the problem when I write these things down is I have to remember what I said, and half the time I forget. Unless I do the video right now, I should set up my studio and do videos after every class, otherwise... <laughs> not bad to be confused. It's bad to stay confused. Don't tell me I said that, Kamini, and you're just quoting me. Because if you say, actually you said that, then I look kind of like, what's that word when you're in love with yourself? What's the word for that? I look like I'm in love with myself. Maybe not love myself, but in love what I say. What's the word for being in love with yourself? It's not narcissistic. There's another word. Isn't there? Where do we draw the line between being childlike and being immature? This is something that requires clarification for me because it's difficult to evaluate whether someone is acting properly. Oh, yeah. Well... Prabhupada said, be childlike, not childish. So immaturity usually comes out as emotional immaturity, which means a kind of irresponsibility in practical affairs, a kind of emotional irresponsibility, you don't control yourself, um, bad relationships and so on. And he's going, yeah, what you said, you never really hurt that person. Yeah, whatever, you know, no, you're too serious. You know, No, not like that. That's not what we mean. It means being light, joyful, jovial, you know, not not letting the world get you down because Krishna consciousness, you know, is blissful and being more in Krishna consciousness. <clears throat> but if things are wrong, they have to be corrected. And if things are wrong, it's our duty to, to know that and point them out, at least to ourselves and to others if they'll allow it. So that doesn't mean we're not being jovial. 
Ah. I mean, you can point out people's mistakes in a funny way. You know, sometimes you hear devotees chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, You could joke to someone about that. Prabhu, your mantra. It's very interesting. Where did that mantra come from? I never heard that mantra before. And they're looking at you like, what are you talking about? I'm chanting Hare Krishna. No, 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 that's not what you're chanting. You're chanting something else, like a 76th syllable kind of mantra. It sounds kind of like Hare Krishna. So, you know, you could be light like that when you're trying to correct somebody. But um, we shouldn't overlook, you know, problems. You know, the devotee who tells you I chant 16 rounds in 48 minutes, you might want to talk to them. Prabhu, nobody can chant 16 rounds in 48 minutes. It's humanly impossible. You may want to just, like, figure out what's going on. One round done. Two rounds done. Yeah. Yeah, the, the devotee, the devotee who says they're chanting, <laughs> they're chanting rounds in three minutes. Then you can just walk by them, you know, with your beads and you know, like finger your beads, you know, like fourteen beads every second. And you just go back to them and go. I did sixteen rounds in twenty-four minutes, Prabhu. I beat you. <laughs> so you could have fun like that. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Uh, I haven't lived in the UK in over 25 years. Oh, okay. You're de-UK-ized. You're Americanized. Uh, the English are not to be confused with the Irish, Scottish, and Welsh. Their temperaments are really different. Yes. Even the British, there's so many foreigners there, so you have so much variety, right? Yes, I noticed moving from Belgium to Wales... All the culture of life is different. Ah, interesting. I got an idea for a t-shirt. Material world, no. Spiritual world, no botheration. <laughs> but I forgot what was the first part of the sentence. Uh, material world, work. Spiritual world, no work. We're going to have all these t-shirts that distinguish. I like that. I think that one is good by itself. Material world, no. Spiritual world, no botheration. That could work. Um, think about it. Work it out. Or someone else has an idea. Well, we could have all these t-shirts, you know, material world, and then define what it is. Spiritual world, define what it is. Material world, work. Spiritual world, no work. I choose the spiritual world. Uh, yes, issues must be addressed, and may, and any issue can be approached lightly. Marriage counselor John Gottman suggests approaching arguments with humor to diffuse the tension. Yeah, it does work. Okay, it's time to go. Thank you. I hope you had a I hope you learned something. And we will in our next classes coming up this week, we will try to totally confuse you as best we can. There's this one devotee who's a teacher and he begins his classes by totally confusing everyone by bringing up all the contradictions. And he says, is anybody confused? And the, the whole class raises their hand. He goes, good, that's exactly what I wanted. 
Now let's <laughs> let's deconfuse you. Let's clarify everything, you know. So it's not bad as a teaching mechanism. <laughs> okay, Hare Krishna, you got ten minutes. You got you got twelve extra minutes at no extra cost to you. Hare Krishna, other than you had to pay twelve more minutes for it. Okay, Hare Krishna. Sri the Prabhupada Kija. Go Premanandi. Hari Hari Bo.